On this episode of Locked On Grizzlies, it is a finals Wednesday edition of the podcast. I'm flying solo to talk to you, dear listener, dear viewer, about the Grizzly standard. Is it a championship mentality in Memphis, or is there more room for growth in that department? We'll also take a couple of examples of recent champions and championship contending teams and how they could apply to the Grizzlies. All that and more on this edition of Locked On Grizzlies. Let's lock in. You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is a Wednesday in August. You know what that means. It means it is a finals Wednesday edition of the podcast. And I, Joe Molinax, am so glad to have you with me on this installment of Lockdown Grizzlies. Proud members are we, the Lockdown Grizzlies family, myself and DeMichael Cole. Not with me on this episode, but we're proud members of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team each and every day, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Like, comment, rate, review, subscribe. All those fun things on YouTube. Again, wherever you get a podcast, you can check out Locked on Grizzlies. And thank you for making us part of your NBA and Grizzlies content consumption. It is much appreciated by DeMichael and myself. I write over at Bluff City Media. I also do some contributing over at SB Nation for Bluff City Media. That's where most of my work is. I am the Memphis Grizzlies columnist, which is nice to be able to say, right? You know, I... Uh, have a distinct role still, even after doing this. Now, goodness, going into my 11th season covering the Memphis Grizzlies, I've been I've been around the block a time or two, and I'm so grateful that you're going around this trip around the block with me on Lockdown Grizzlies. Uh, this episode is going to be one that talks a lot about mentality, right? Because as a as someone who's been in sports a majority of my life, so much of sport is mental, right? We can talk about scheme and X's and O's and physicality and athleticism. All of those things matter, of course. But what sets apart a truly great player from a champion? A lot of times it's the mental aspect of things. That's why sports psychology has become more and more popular in recent years. That is one of the reasons why you see all sorts of players that maybe are not as physically gifted as others that are able to rise at a moment or meet adversity head on a little bit better. That is a skill. That is a a talent, in my opinion. Maybe it's not like jumping as high as you can. Maybe it's not running as quickly as possible. But if you have that ability to put your head down and go through adversity, learn from adversity, rise to an occasion, and not shrink away from those major moments in your life, obviously sport, they're there for everyone to see that's watching the contest. But we all go through those things in life. And sports in that way are a microcosm of life. There's adverse moments in a game, just like there's adverse moments in your day-to-day life. How you respond to it is what defines your level of success as a person, as a laborer, worker, whatever the case might be. Uh, What does all of this have to do with the Memphis Grizzlies? I think... We, I, I can only speak for myself, certainly can't speak for DeMichael, but I am guilty of jumping ahead in terms of viewing this team as a championship contender, or at least I have been the last couple of years. I've been guilty of it because of their talent. Even though they're young, 
even though it would be unprecedented for a team, the average age of the Memphis Grizzlies over the last couple of seasons to make the NBA finals and win it. The Portland Trailblazers in the 1970s are the only team in the modern NBA era. And we're really flirting with the definition of modern now, right? I mean, that was over 50 years ago, depending on what time. Yeah, it's remarkable to reflect and think of it in that way, but we're close to 50 years of that team that, that really broke the mold in terms of being youthful and also being competitive at a championship level. The game of basketball has changed tremendously. And since that time, there has not been a team as young or younger as that Portland Trailblazer squad that competed for a championship in that manner. So that doesn't mean that it's impossible. Obviously things that are improbable happen every day. But the last couple of years, Memphis being a true championship contender has always been improbable. And maybe that's one of the major reasons why you can point to Zach Kleiman only now dipping his toe in the contender deep end of the pool in terms of giving up first round picks for a player like Marcus Smart, who is most certainly, as we talked about on a recent episode of Lockdown Grizzlies, he's a 16 game player. He's a guy that can go out there and help you win a playoff series through his mentality. Marcus Smart's six foot four. Marcus Smart has a long wingspan. He has some good basketball skill, obviously. But one of his greatest attributes that he brings is that it factor that comes with living and breathing and competing each and every day through that prism of what is it going to take for me to be the best basketball player, the best professional athlete I can be. And that mentality is going to be extremely valuable to the Memphis Grizzlies because even in the veterans that Memphis has, Stephen Adams, obviously in the past, Kyle Anderson, Tyus Jones, Dylan Brooks, those guys don't really have that attribute, right? Or in the case of Dylan Brooks, they don't really have it plus the resume to back it up. Marcus Smart has played in numerous playoff series, numerous significant playoff series, NBA finals games over the last few seasons, and he knows what it takes to get to that place where you compete on that highest level possible. Doesn't mean he was the best player on the floor. Doesn't mean he was the fifth or sixth best player on the floor, depending on the team that they were lined up against. But that's not what Memphis needs him to be. They need him to be that guy that helps establish and reestablish what the Memphis Grizzlies standard is. Because we talk about that a lot, or at least I do. Taylor Jenkins talks about it a lot, the head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies. What is the standard? It's defense. It's rebounding. But how do you expand upon that? How do you build upon the standard that currently exists and use it as a foundation for a larger process? I think that is where the Grizzlies are currently at. I think Marcus Smart is the biggest brick in that proverbial wall to be added in the John Morant era. Because this is a guy who has been a part of a culture in Boston. Good, bad, or indifferent, obviously nothing is perfect, but they were winning and they expected to win and they expected to win at the highest levels of the sport. I think it's safe to say the Memphis Grizzlies don't have that capacity. They made it to the second round a couple seasons ago now, but they are not a team that looks like they are ready for when the lights are brightest. That game game six against the Lakers was embarrassing. It was a unbelievably and unbelievably bad loss was it predictable to an extent but the fact that luke Kennard was that important to your success hints at there being deeper larger underlying issues 
So this Memphis standard has led to regular season success, but how do you expand upon it? How do you, again, use it as a foundation for a, a house that hopefully will be a Memphis Grizzlies championship in the next couple of seasons? There are ways to do that. And one of the best ways to do that is to study those around you that have had success. You can't do it exactly the same, of course. That's not possible. But what you can do is find ways to make it your own. Take it, twist it, make it your own. And I do think that there is a, a lane for Memphis over the next couple of years to expand and, and really redefine the Memphis standard. Doesn't mean that you don't defend the way that you used to or you don't prioritize rebounding the way that you have over the last few seasons, but it does mean that there has to be some room for growth. The standard has to be able to adapt and overcome and change just like you expect your players to just like you expect a coach to be able to, just like you expect any individual that's a part of a larger group with a common purpose that is bigger than themselves. That concept doesn't just go away because there's millions upon millions of dollars involved. And that's one of the hardest things to understand about sports. It's a, it's a business. These guys are multimillionaires. Jalen Brown just signed a $300 million plus contract. But at the end of the day, it's still one team against another. Especially in the playoffs, there's a level of competition that heightens everything around you. And regardless of how much money you make, whether it's $300 million, $3 million, and everything in between, at some point, the ball is going to be in your hand if you are a part of a team. The ball is going to be in your proverbial court. What are you going to do with it? How are you going to respond when the adversity strikes? And how do you evolve? That's what we're going to be focusing on the remainder of this episode here on Lockdown Grizzlies. Thankfully, thankfully, excuse me, there are some good examples of that for Memphis to model moving forward. But before we get to that, this episode of Lockdown Grizzlies is brought to you by Abada. Big fan of Abada here over at Lockdown Grizzlies. Are you finally taking that summer vacation that you've been planning, but you're dreading buying all of the necessities before you take off? It's time to stop spending your hard-earned money without getting anything in return. Enter Abada. The average Abada user earns $120 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip for a vacation coming up. Or you could use that cash back to buy the flight that you've been eyeing, that game that you've been dying to go to while you're out on your trip, or the fancy dinner that you've been craving along your journey. You get cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too when you start with Abada, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Abada is offering our listeners here at Lockdown Grizzlies $5 just for trying Abada out by using the code LOCKED when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Abada app today. Use the code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use the code LOCKED. We're talking one example, our first example of a way that the Grizzlies can borrow from someone else take twist and make it their own towards a championship on this championship finals edition Wednesday edition of lockdown Grizzlies stick with us welcome back to lockdown Grizzlies I am your host for this episode Joe Monax again flying solo to Michael Cole will be back later on this week and remember we have entered the month of August you guys have been spoiled this week you got three consecutive shows Monday Tuesday Wednesday probably not going to be the case Thursday just a spoiler alert there for you DeMichael and I are going to do our best to get you a Friday edition, perhaps. But again, things get lighter over on the Lockdown Podcast Network from an NBA perspective. 
in the months of August and September. Doesn't mean that we're going to completely take off, but we, we will take advantage of the fact that people understand it's the NBA offseason. So just stay subscribed, stay locked in, so to speak, with us, and we will be back by the end of the week with at least one more episode. Uh, we're talking on this finals Wednesday, the Memphis Standard. Taking it, twisting it, making it your own when comparing it to other standards. And the one that comes to mind the most, for me at least, when it comes to the National Basketball Association right now, is the Miami Heat. Heat culture, right? The fact that they've employed Udonis Haslam the last several seasons, almost strictly because of Heat culture and the role that he plays in it. That's significant. And that is something that matters a lot when it comes to those moments we were talking about earlier. When you're in those adverse situations. Do you trust your teammates? Do you trust your work? Do you trust the scheme? All of that matters a lot to the Miami Heat, clearly. Whether it's Pat Riley that you give credit for, whether it's Eric Spolstra, the players on the floor led by Jimmy Butler at this stage of the Miami Heat. It's important to remember, you know, LeBron James, Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, all sorts of other guys have come through that Heat organization under the thumb of Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra. And the, the standard seems to remain the standard. It is consistent because of the way they compete, the physicality they bring defensively, and the willingness that they have to defend completely. And I think that's the first thing that Memphis can take, twist, and make their own looking at the Miami Heat as they try to establish a championship version of their standard. And I'm going to bring up Jaron Jackson Jr., who we've been praising recently here on Lockdown Grizzlies. The main thing that we wanted him to work on the last time DeMichael and I talked about Jaron was his playmaking, the ability off of a, a dribble move on the perimeter, something on the block in the mid-range, wherever Jaron might be. He's one of the worst bigs in the National Basketball Association at actually going out and creating for others. So being just better at that, not elite, not above average even, just being average as a creator, as a big, could do things for this half-court offense that we frankly don't know what to expect because we haven't seen it before, right? defensively, where I would like to see a little bit more malleability, the ability to evolve in Jaron's game, is the fact that when you have a player like Jaron, whose strength is rim protection, and you don't see him consistently taking on the toughest assignment from a front court player because of how significant it is to the specific scheme of the Grizzlies, that, to me is a space where Memphis has to pause and look at what they have in Jaron Jackson Jr. So I know DeMichael had an episode a couple episodes back critiquing Taylor Jenkins. This is my shot across that bow because I think Jenkins as a coach needs to allow Jaron to have a little bit more faith in him and himself and put him in positions not necessarily to do ISO defense because, again, that's not the strength of his game, but it's the ability to do so. I talk a lot about predictability. That's a problem for the Grizzlies half-court offense. John Morant gets the ball at the top of the key. Everybody clears out. It's an ISO collapse. Find a shooter. I'm not a coach in, in the NBA, but I can understand what Memphis is trying to do, especially in crunch time situations, close of games. They're predictable. Defensively, when you're predictable, it allows for opponents to get the best offensive looks they can because they can plan for you and pick and pop and choose which offensive sets they think will work best against your, your drop scheme, your hedge scheme, whatever the case might be defensively. If you know 
that Jaron Jackson Jr. is not a player that Memphis wants to have switching. If you know that Jaron is best as a weak side defender and you try to find ways to get him out of position from that space, you are limiting long-term as teams get used to Jaron being one of the absolute best defenders in the NBA, which he was this past season. As that continues to grow and evolve from an NBA perspective, Jaron has to be able to do more defensively. He has to be able to take on those assignments on the perimeter, not just in a switch, not just when he's out there with David Roddy or with some other big that is capable of switching, Brandon Clark when he's healthy, Xavier Tillman. Not just then, but he has to be in a place where he can expand his defensive impact in terms of finding himself as a primary defender on a lead front court, at least, score. He can't, you can't go into a series where Anthony Davis is one of the best players on the planet and say, ah, Jaron can't defend AD. Why the hell not? Well, because it's not good for the scheme. That's not Jaron's strength. That's not what he's best at. Sure, all that makes total sense. You allow for him to do what he's best at, but he still has to get better at stuff that he's not as good at so that he can have a more versatile game because that allows coaches like Darvin Ham and the coaching staff for the Lakers to take advantage of what the Grizzlies are, for whatever reason, unwilling or unable to do in this moment defensively. You have to push the boundaries, and Miami does that consistently. They push the boundaries of physicality. After you've played the Miami Heat in a basketball game, you feel it. You know you were in a fight, a basketball Donnybrook with the Miami Heat. They play a physical brand of defense. That's not to say Memphis doesn't. I would say at times they do. But there's still room for growth and development there. And from a young team, it makes sense when compared to a veteran team like the Heat that they are not quite at that place yet where they can embrace that tenacity to take the energy. And we'll talk more about that here. Uh, in our final segment of the show, to take the energy that exists with a young roster and to channel it. That's one of the hardest things for any of us to do. We all have energy. But when you're in a tough spot, instead of feeling sorry for yourself and using that energy to do something that's going to be against your goal, how do you find a way to redirect? That is key for all of us. And I think for the Grizzlies to be in a position to try to win a championship, whether it's this season, two seasons from now, whatever it is, they have to find a way. And sometimes it's just experience, right? Sometimes it's just finding experience and getting those minutes, getting those reps, being put in those spots and learning from mistakes and successes as they come. There is no substitution for time and experience. There's no shortcuts in that way. But when I look at the Miami Heat, I see physicality. I see a defensive versatility. Bam Adebayo is a phenomenal defensive player. He does a lot of different things on ball, off ball. He is able to mix it up. I want to see more of that from the Memphis Grizzlies, even on the defensive side where they figure to be a top five team if they don't change a thing because of their personnel. Jaron Jackson Jr., Steven Adams, Marcus Smart, Desmond Bain, an above average defender. You kidding me? Even when John Morant's out there. It's not going to matter in terms of his defensive weaknesses because the other guys around him can make up and then some for what Ja does not bring to the table on that end of the floor. And heaven forbid Ja Morant figures out how to defend consistently. Look out. But 
there has to be room for scheme evolution. And I think that that starts with Taylor Jenkins, but it also starts with the players or continues, I should say, with the players being willing and able to meet those challenges head on. We'll talk about a San Antonio Spurs example of that idea, building upon the Grizzly standard on this finals Wednesday. Stay with us here on Lockdown Grizzlies. Welcome back to Lockdown Grizzlies. I am your host, Joe Molinax, closing up shop on this Wednesday, finals Wednesday edition of the show. The Michael Cole, my co-host, not joining me on this episode, obviously, but he'll be back. We'll be back uh, to close out the week, probably a Friday episode. I alluded earlier in the show. Probably not going to be a Thursday one, if I'm being honest. Probably a Friday edition of the show. Uh, DeMichael and I will be back together, and you know we'll close out the week with another installment of Lockdown Grizzlies. But on this episode, we've been talking building upon the Grizzlies standard, right? Taylor Jenkins says it all the time, Zach Kleiman. And I do think they have established a mentality. Defense is important. Being a dominant rebounder. The way that you carry yourself matters. And even in the face of that standard not being met by people like John Morant, Dylan Brooks, it's important to have a standard, a code, right? It's important to have something that you aspire to. The Grizzlies have to evolve that code in order to truly become a championship contender. That's the overall premise of this episode. I talked about the Miami Heat and their culture and how they are defensively versatile and how Memphis needs to get better at that and not be so predictable. On the offensive side of things, it's more of a macro view the 30,000-foot level uh, description of what the Grizzlies need to be. And I look at the San Antonio Spurs, who obviously have been very bad in recent years. You don't wind up with the number one overall pick without at least being somewhat bad. And the Spurs were pretty bad this past season. But obviously Greg Popovich is widely regarded as one of the very best coaches, if not the best coach in the National Basketball Association. And the San Antonio Spurs, before their recent woes over the last few years, were one of the most respected winning franchises in the entire NBA. And the way that Popovich and company have evolved that philosophy is something that Memphis really should try to emulate. Not copy, because Memphis is different than San Antonio, different personnel, different situations. But the fact that the San Antonio Spurs, when they started being really good, had two bigs in David Robinson and Tim Duncan that just dominated the paint were utterly unstoppable on the glass defensively. You weren't ever going to score when Robinson and Duncan were on the floor together, at least not on a consistent basis. And for that to become towards the end of the Spurs dynasty, playmaking, dribble penetration, kick out the shooters, moving the ball as quickly as possible, uh, cuts, backdoor cuts, all sorts of slashing, for that to evolve in and of itself, is a testament to the type of coach that Greg Popovich is. He sees changes in the game. He sees changes in his own roster. And he sees the need to be able to go from a plotting, methodical, feed the bigs, control the clock, be aggressive defensively type of style to towards the end, as I mentioned earlier, run and gun, shooting threes, allowing Duncan to be more of a facilitator on offense. Same thing with Boris Diaw, Tony Parker getting to the paint at will, Manu Ginobili, all sorts of different guys. Kawhi Leonard, obviously, for a time there in San Antonio. But there was such change, drastic change. And it's important to understand, because, again, we can debate pin-down screens and all sorts of different sets, dribble handoffs. 
What is your favorite basketball set? Maybe you can mention it in the comments, what you think the Grizzlies should do more in terms of actual X's and O's. My point is none of that matters if you do not have something that meets the needs of your personnel. If you cannot, as a coach, look at your roster and say, these guys cannot do what I am asking them to do. How do you tweak what you do? That's one of the reasons Mike Budenholzer is no longer with the Milwaukee Bucks. That inability to tweak. And who is Taylor Jenkins' lead NBA mentor in terms of coaching? Mike Budenholzer. Budenholzer is a very good basketball coach, obviously. You don't get to the NBA Finals and win it without being a good coach. But at some point, you either adapt to meet the needs of the game evolving or the game passes you by. And I think that's what's happened at this stage. Obviously, he can still come back to the league. At this stage, that's what's happened to Budenholzer. And it could potentially happen to Jenkins. If he does not find a way to look at his roster, and with Marcus Smart's arrival, once Ja Morant is healthy, you have multiple playmakers on the perimeter, you don't have as much size, how do you respond to that? How do you set screens? How do you get Jaron Jackson Jr. the ball out in space? How do you get Desmond Bain and Steven Adams to recreate the authentic chemistry that they had together a couple of seasons ago? How do you get to that high post look? How do you create enough space to get to that room, to get to that level? What do you do for John Morant as he returns? What does the scheme look like? It can't simply be, oh, Jaw's back, back to the way things were. You're not maximizing Jaron Jackson Jr. You're not maximizing Desmond Bain. We are entering a new era, or new, not a new era, a new chapter of this Grizzlies era. John Morant is clearly the superstar, but Jaron Jackson Jr. is a star. Desmond Bain is quite literally a max contract player. So there has to be some form of understanding that there are going to be opportunities for these guys that can be found without John Morant isolation in key moments of the game. There will be times where the best play for the Memphis Grizzlies is still a Ja Morant, Steven Adams pick and roll because of the space that Adams can create and what Ja can do with that space once it is created. But there has to be some level, especially in the half court. You can't look at this half court scheme, replace Dylan Brooks and Tyus Jones with Derrick Rose and Marcus Smart and say, whoop, that's fixed. Spoiler alert, it's not. And that improvement is not just going to come from player development. It has to come from scheme development as well. It has to come from an understanding that the personnel that you have will not always fit the scheme you want to run. You can't square peg round hole this thing. If you do, you're going to continue to have the same issues. The definition of insanity is doing something over and over again and expecting a different result. If Taylor Jenkins does not tweak his half court system, if he does not look for ways to get. If you're going to be small on the perimeter anyway, might as well go Bain and Kennard and Smart. Might as well. Why not? And we know that Bain and Kennard provide a level of spacing that not many other NBA teams can emulate because of how good they are shooting the freaking basketball. So let them shoot. It's not to say that the Grizzlies don't want to shoot threes, but put them in positions off of ball screens. Put them in positions on pin downs. Let them get cutting around the baseline. Everything doesn't just have to be dribble, kick out, dribble, kick out. And the more, again, the word versatility, 
the more malleable a scheme can be around its roster, the better off you will be in terms of being a championship contender. That's the next step, not just for Taylor Jenkins, but for the players at large, because they have to be able to execute. You can draw up all sorts of beautiful things on a whiteboard, but if your players can't consistently hit the shot that gets open based off of those looks, none of it really matters. So the Grizzly standard has to continue to evolve if they hope to truly be a championship-level team. I think it will. I'm optimistic, and I think Marcus Smart's arrival will really help with that most important part that we talked about at the start of the show. Because, again, every scheme across America has won at some level. The triangle, slash and cut, five out, all sorts of different styles of winning, right? Feeding the block to Shaq. You can win a basketball game just about in any way in terms of X's and O's. You might have a preference, but it has to fit your roster and it has to fit within what it means to be a Grizzlies player. 